a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. Some genre-related news before we get to today's discussion. CBS and Viacom completed their merger earlier this week. The deal will bring together Viacom's Paramount Pictures and cable channels such as MTV, Nickelodeon, Comedy Central, and BET, otherwise known as Black Entertainment Television, uh, along with the CBS Broadcast Network, Showtime, 28 O&O TV stations, CBS All Access, and Simon & Schuster Publishing. It also reunites the television and movie portions of the Star Trek franchise. The combined company will have an annual revenue of about $28 billion. And speaking of Star Trek, yesterday marked the 40th anniversary of the theatrical premiere of Star Trek The Motion Picture on December 6, 1979. The film opened locally at the KB MacArthur Theater in Washington, D.C. The screening was followed by a all-star reception at the National Air and Space Museum. The motion picture established Star Trek as a movie franchise that continues to this day and helped launch a number of television spin-off series. Several new trailers dropped this week. The teaser trailer for Marvel Studios' Black Widow, directed by Kate Shortland, and starring Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, Rachel Weitz, and David Harbour. Black Widow opens in theaters on May 1st, 2020. Also, two trailers for the CW crossover event Crisis on Infinite Earths, which begins tomorrow evening. You can check out both, actually, (laughs) all three, (laughs) on the Fantastic Forum Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Fantastic Forum. And while you're there, if you haven't already, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We love to be liked and we like to be followed. And look for the release of the first teaser trailer for Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman 1984 to drop tomorrow, Sunday, December 8th. And some sad news this week, as noted writer and story editor, D.C. Fontana passed away on December 2nd at the age of 80. Fontana was a trailblazer for women in broadcast television and is best known for her extensive work on the Star Trek franchise, beginning on the original series where she penned some of the most influential scripts for the show. Also reported this week was the late November passing of cartoonist Howard Cruz. Cruz was a pioneer in the exploration of gay themes in his work and was better known as the godfather of gay comics. He was 75. So, on today's show, we're going to be talking about uh, a number of things. Uh, I wanted to take a deep dive into the HBO Watchmen series, and uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about the CW's crossover, Crisis on Infinite Earths, which, as I mentioned, starts tomorrow. So, joining me today uh, here in the studio, we have the redoubtable Roberto Ortiz and the ever-tried true and blue Drew <laughs> Bittner. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank wow. you. Love that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I wish when I came to work, you basically would have been introducing. Here comes the Roberto. Well, I, uh. we're going, what we're going to have to do then, Roberto, you're going to have to record me and you play. You remember, um, I'm going to get you, sucker. <laughs> right, had Jack reading. Spade had his uh, theme song yeah. and he carried around with him. Hey, look at this music. <laughs> At the beginning of every staff meeting. Ah. I would be happy to do that. Oh my god. Yeah. Hey, so look, 
Yes. I don't want to break up this fun fest, but I do want to mention, uh, because I, I thought it was extremely noteworthy, uh, uh, DC Fontana. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. Having passed, and yeah. and I was that was one. You know, all right. I, I I am involved in mankind, but sometimes somebody dies, and I hear about it, and I'm like, oh. I know. That was one of those yeah. for uh, yeah. you know DC Fontana, and you know because I, I mean that's no joke. As as a woman back in the '60s. To be a writer and a story editor. I mean, you and know, women Star got Trek. coffee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. it was Star Trek. And, and that's yeah. the joke mm -hmm. is basically how so many geeks today like to say, "Oh, basically, this belongs to guys." Blah blah blah. And it's like, do you realize that some of the people who actually created the content you like, like Star Wars and Star Trek, was heavily influenced by women? Well, there, there. One <laughs> thing that a lot of people said was that. Very, very, very few people had more impact yeah. on the development of Spock as a character yes. than Fontana did. Oh, yes, yeah. she did, and including the anime series. Yeah. Oh yes. yeah, yeah. Well, and well, yeah. I mean, particularly in terms of Spock, yeah. Because yeah. that episode yesteryear yeah. from the animated series. I mean, that was. But it, she pinned some. I mean, in ter and Nimoy said that in terms of contributing to Vulcan culture. I mean, because Journey to Babel, yeah, you yeah. know, was hers. And mm -hmm. in fact, shoot, that introduced. The Andorians and the Tellarites, and, you yeah. know, the Orions. Yeah. I mean, a bunch of characters that they ended up using over mm -hmm. and over again, you know? I mean, and in it just as a story editor, the influence that she had, you know? but uh, And then when it came to the spinoff series, I mean, she was the one that wrote the uh, premiere, uh, the pilot of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, Encounter my God, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah, yeah I mm -hmm. forgot about yeah. that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, D.C. Fontana, I mean, you know, a, an illustrious career uh, that uh, it had an impact on all of us. In but fact, a woman in mm -hmm. the 60s, yeah. no less. Think yes. about that. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. Wow. That, that's worth mentioning a couple of times. Because, like I said, women women fetched coffee and answered <laughs> telephones, <laughs> yeah. you know, in these studios and in television. And well, here was this woman, you know, and she was a young woman, too, yeah, at yeah. the time. You know, I mean, so, and, you know, a story editor on a network series? Yeah. I mean, that was unprecedented. But, you know, Star Trek blazed a lot of trails yes, in terms of that, in terms of opportunities behind the camera and uh, in, in administration for uh, minorities and women. Yes, you know, did. I mean, it was and, and visionary what Gene Roddenberry did. I mean, yeah. I can't talk because it was all part of what he was trying to do in terms of presenting this very optimistic vision for the future and you know we could use a little star trek now yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. particularly given the uh, the dismal conditions so yeah well i mean that was what star trek grew out of star trek grew out of a time that was very turbulent very uncertain and very frightening and mm -hmm. this is a guy that came along and said no we're not we're not only going to get past this we're going to be doing so much better in the mm -hmm. future. And, um, I mean, if you follow David Gerald on Facebook, for instance, David Gerald being one of the prime Star Trek writers mm -hmm. of yes, the was. original series, um, he has an awful lot to say about uh, DC Fontana and mm -hmm. what she yeah. did and her contributions. And he hired her to write an episode or two of Land of the Lost that she did. Mm -hmm. And he said she was always the most patient, thorough, considerate, and thoughtful um sounding board that any writer could hope to have mm -hmm. yeah well and uh, that was how he broke into the business too with the trouble with tribbles i, yes, I want to say that was the first script that he sold and so he would have had to have worked extensively you know with her and mm -hmm. uh, at the time gene coon because i'm pretty sure coon yeah. was still on the on the series as producer at the time but yeah um shoot there was something else oh uh, roberto i just wanted to uh, comment because uh, and actually, you too, Drew, because both of you guys are really good about perspective. And okay. um, one of the, the, perhaps actually, arguably the most important thing about Star Trek, the original series, which gets lost today, is the perspective of this show at the time and what was going on yeah. in television and in the United States. Mm -hmm. And... That I mean, for for because this series you can watch it, and yeah, you know, it's 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 uh, frankly, it's aged better than some, hasn't aged great, but the themes that uh, Roddenberry hit in this show, the the overall tapestry of it in terms of inclusion of minorities and women, and even 
aliens, you know, and because mm-hmm. there were there would have been a lot of people who would have been a lot more comfortable as opposed to you know a United Federation ship if this had been just United States spaceship. Uh, you know, and and particularly in terms of what was on television at the time, you know, the landscape of westerns and police shows, and you know, this was so much different, and mm-hmm. both in terms of what it was and who was a part of it. I mean, even second season, they threw in a Russian. You know, the Russians. Yeah. Well, unlike today, where the Russians are our friends. You know, I, the, the, yeah, well, I, you know, but yeah, the, you, it's funny. Yeah, and he, it, Roddenberry sent a letter to yeah. the Kremlin, apparently apologizing for the fact that, you know, because the Russians in terms of uh, space exploration, you know, they were the first ones to, you know, with Yuri well, Gagarin sending a man into space and the first ones to orbit I mean, anything. I in, mean, you in, know, in Russia, they complained that, you know, there's this american tv show about space travel and there's not a single russian and, and roddenberry basically said you're right yeah mm-hmm. but the thing that's important to consider about star trek and actually this is a good segue to uh watchmen it's, oh, oh you're ready for us to move oh, no, on no 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 no, no but it's, well let me just step aside no, 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 mr no, ortiz no, 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 you can it, take over hosting no but what i'm saying is basically thematically speaking is the importance specifically of hiring diversity in front and behind the cameras because right. basically yeah changes your storytelling. Let me make a point. Compare Star Trek, same time, mm-hmm. which shows that were science fiction, same era, like mm-hmm. uh, like uh, Voyage, to the Voyage, uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, mm-hmm. or, uh, oh my God, uh, yeah, Lost in Space. The, oh, I Lost was going to say, another Irwin Allen no, show. No, that, <laughs> yeah. this is a fascinating couple, thing. Couple Allen shows. Compare, yeah. mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. those shows have Anthology. Aged, mm-hmm. how both shows have aged to the present that people cannot see them mm-hmm. because the storylines basically are uh, cringe-worthy. And compared with Star Trek, that honest to goodness was earnest on trying to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And that's a, the, an important contribution of people like D.C. Fontana did, that basically they took the material seriously. She sat down right. and she told it through. What would be the consequences of this? Well, if we have if, a race about this, how would they be? Mm-hmm. Instead of just saying, oh, let's just put basically some antennas and basically make them spacey. One, of, one of the biggest mm-hmm. one of the biggest differences in terms of the writer's yeah. room was that they hired science fiction writers. Yes. Oh, yeah. Which was a huge change. In, in yeah. the other shows that you're talking about, Irwin Allen's shows and the other shows that were out that were science fiction at the time, they hired people that were television writers yeah. and said, write this science fiction story. Right. And instead of saying, let's bring in science fiction writers and say, mm-hmm. write a TV script, yeah. which is a complete in, a, a inversion of how it was done back in those days. Oh, indeed. Well, and the other noteworthy thing about that, because uh, particularly in season one, Roddenberry was all hot to trot for getting established sci-fi writers. I mean, yeah. he, he knew what it was he wanted to do. And I find, you know, that's that's when... Any creative endeavor works best when your executive producer has a very clear vision for for what they want to do. Now, you know, since we have kind of derided some of these Irwin Allen shows, I do want to give a nod to Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea because without Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, there would have been no Star Trek. I'm pretty sure you know? you're right. Yeah. Well, because be- of the production values, that, that that's what drives me crazy about the Irwin Allen shows. <laughs> if you actually see them today, you're saying, "Wow, those are amazing sets. Wow, those are amazing casting." Wow, that's an alien monster based on algae walking around the sea view. It's like, what the heck? <laughs> this is all looks so well, and you basically have such a stupid storyline. It's, it's, it's amazing, <laughs> amazing production values in service of a not-so-great story. Yeah, yeah and well, it's like, you could do yeah. better than this. Even Batman 66, in their defense, they were campy, but they were self-aware enough to make it work. This show tried to be Batman, and it's like, uh, no. And I'll also also say the one thing that Star Trek did was they picked up on what Twilight Zone had been doing. Yes. Twilight Zone was not afraid to take on current social issues that were extremely controversial issues, but they dressed it up in something different. They, mm-hmm. And this is why Twilight Zone has aged so well. Exactly, because because the thing is that the issues they're talking about are, are 
eternal issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All, all of us can identify with those things, whereas we can't necessarily identify with a Western that's dressed mm -hmm. up in science fiction garb. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about that, Drew, and uh, before I go on, let me uh, just tell everybody that you're listening to Fantastic <laughs> Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming online at WERA.FM. Uh, we are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined in studio by Drew Bittner and Roberto Ortiz. Uh, we started talking about the uh, passing of noted writer and story editor D.C. Fontana, who worked extensively on Star Trek. Uh, this sort of grew out of that. Uh, I do want to just mention that uh, Twilight Zone, and this is the noteworthy thing about A Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea and what Star Trek owes to it. Twilight Zone and Thriller and Outer Limits and a bunch of those other shows were anthology shows. Yes. Where, you know, different cast every week, different story, mm -hmm. nothing continuing. Yeah. And um, apparently the network suits weren't, th I mean, you know, your your. Uh, regular TV series that were science fiction. It was stuff like Commander Cody. It was you know stuff mm -hmm. for kids, sure. and they weren't convinced that a serious sci-fi show could make it. And then you had Irwin Allen, who got Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea on, and partially because he built off of the movie that he had made, mm -hmm. and he sold ABC on, hey, wait a minute, it's going to cost you a lot less because I've got all the sets that I saved from the movie. I've got all the miniatures that I saved from the movie. I've got all the costumes that I saved from the movie. You won't have to spend all this money setting this stuff up. And they're like, hmm. And then they put this thing on. And the ratings were through the roof. I mean, people loved it. And, and it, too, in the defense of Irwin Allen, because a lot of those shows were ridiculous. In fact, I still tune in to MeTV at 2 a.m. every Saturday to check this out. I'll be watching tonight because I think we've gotten past the worst of them. Uh, last week, uh, there was the <laughs> evil leprechaun who came yeah. on to see you. The, the week mommy? before that, it was the ghost of Blackbeard yeah. who came on, you know, <laughs> intending to use uh -huh. the submarine you know to maraud here in the 20th century sure. but yeah 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 but there were a lot of espionage theme shows that were actually kind of cool and that's the thing they i remember watching those shows when mm -hmm. i was a kid thinking okay that's a cool story why are we not seeing more of this kind of stories on this really I mean, why as a we, kid you were yeah. like, i was like man bring me some more monsters from venus <laughs> i love this stuff I, I actually they lost me once they had a freaking mummy on the sea view and it's like <laughs> what the heck uh you know what really bothered and this is totally going down the rabbit hole here you know what bothered me about the mummy one because i saw that one recently they didn't explain what the motivation of the mummy was the mummy just get now they were taking the mummy back yeah. to the middle east sure. apparently to his neck i'm thinking what the mummy doesn't want to go the mummy <laughs> wants to stay in new york in the museum what's this why is the mummy trying to mess up the ship you know and they never got to why <laughs> what was the mummy's motivation i was really troubled by that there you go you know, there so you I mean, again, very poor, and and then very exceptionally poorly poorly written some of this stuff. You know, oh man, but ah, I digress. But yes, That's so Star Trek owes a debt, <laughs> nevertheless, to Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, <laughs> <laughs> and it and it owes a huge debt to Lucille Ball. Yes, yes. It oh does, my you know? goodness, yeah, and, you, and, yeah. And how many people in this country today that are Star Trek fans, you know, talked about? Don't know it was Lucille Ball that mm -hmm. got that show made. Actually, yeah. Lucille Ball doesn't get enough credit for a whole bunch of things yeah. in the U.S. The, she doesn't, the, and and um, her husband doesn't. Desi Arnaz, Desi Arnaz yeah. does not mm -hmm. either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the that, that studio, Desi Lou, they yeah. put a bunch of, and in fact, yeah. they put themselves into bankruptcy doing these shows. Yeah. If they'd have been able to hang on a little bit longer, I mean, because mm -hmm. Mission Impossible came out yeah. of there, yep. uh, Mannix came yeah. out of yeah. there. You know, I mean, stuff that had some some legs. I love yeah. Lucy. He you know? basically invented the modern concept of the sitcom. Yes. It was yeah. the first yes. modern sitcom. The the having the, the live audience there. Yep, three the camera whole, shoot. Three camera yep. shoot. Mm -hmm. Everything. It was her. And, and it and makes frankly, me angry that she doesn't get enough credit and, for and frankly, this stuff. A, lot the, a lot of the structure of the storytelling. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, but you know, my understanding is... She didn't really know what it was when she <laughs> greenlit Trek, it. Yes. Yeah, I mean Star Trek. I mean, my understanding is she thought it was like a USO type of thing, where like, yeah, but, we've got these people going to Vietnam to entertain the troops. You know, but the story goes that once yeah. she realized what it was, yeah, and she was cool she with it, yeah. basically mm -hmm. 
fought for it. The only mm -hmm. reason the show continued in the air is because that woman basically even got on her knees and clean said if necessary to continue that show to yeah. be in the air. Yeah. I'm serious. I mean it. Geeks everywhere. You owe a lot to women. <laughs> we we all love Lucy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like people like DC Fontana yeah, and Lucille mm -hmm. Ball. They're big deal specifically in what they contributed specifically in terms of Marcia Lucas in Star, in, in Star Wars. Yeah. A lot of women have done a lot of work behind mm -hmm. the scenes for the stuff we love so stop it in terms of saying that women have nothing to do with this stuff. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. You know. All right. Well, look. Um, moving right along. So um, let's let's talk a little bit about these uh, CW crossover shows before Wee! we get to yeah, like the the meat and potatoes <laughs> of it here. You know, with Watchmen because uh, I don't know about y'all. I mean, I was so siced when these last two trailers came out. I was like, oh my goodness! And of course, I'm referring to the CW trailers uh, and the extended trailer. I need to watch them. Um, Oh, you haven't watched those? You haven't watched I, them? I watched the last two. So. Oh, oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! They show you so much stuff. They show the child demons. They're going to have child demons on the oh, show. Oh, that's it's yeah, like yeah, it was like oh my. It's not a spoiler because yeah, no, trailer. no, it's yeah. not at all. I mean, heck, and the thing comes out tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they, it's they like they hey, show it's a 33 year old story. So, you know. but they show Batman. They show. Uh, I mean, if yeah, I well, was, Kevin Conroy, Batman yes, too. I mean, yeah. like from uh, Kingdom Come. If I was 14 yeah. watching this, my brain would be like. Oh, oh, my brain exploded as it was. Hey, and they even <laughs> throw in like uh, some uh, Easter eggs like Will Wheaton, you know? <laughs> it's like, look for Will Wheaton, you know, Wesley Crusher from Star Trek and, The Next and, Generation. And what as is he the, doing? The, world is, yeah, the no world is ending, you know? I mean, I'm assuming it's just like a walk-on kind of thing. But just the fact that they've finally got Black Lightning as a part of one of these crossovers, yeah. I'm like, oh, crap, look. And, and it's Chris Williams. And apparently he was like really excited. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, he's a fan. I yeah. mean, Chris like, Williams did some Star Trek. And in fact, he was the first guy to play a Jim Hadar on Are Star Trek. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. No doubt. You know, it's like nice. that was in, in, uh, in the final episode of season two. The Jim Hadar. That was, you know, when uh, the uh, Cisco and Quark That's were so captured. Cool. Yeah, the guy who was talking to him, the one who oh was like, God. I was hoping the first Alpha Quadrant race I'd meet would be a Klingon. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's Cress Williams. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. No, so I, I, all I have to say, <laughs> I'm not surprised he was psyched. To, I would to be, be doing too. This. Th that's yeah. actually, mm. it's very exciting specifically that they're doing this. I'm very happy that it's obvious that the people trying to do this are obviously fans. Mm -hmm. uh, they're trying to basic, and it's gonna be cheesy, and I don't care because I don't, it's I don't gonna, know, well, be the that story cheesy. was cheesy to begin with. You know, well, I, I mean, mean, it was it was basically just you know house cleaning for what they wanted to do with mm -hmm. reboot of the, of, the, of the universe, but. Um, I, I have the feeling it's going to end up with Black Lightning in the same oh, yes, world as yes. all these other characters, and that we will have Supergirl and Flash and the Arrow team all in one world after this. Actually, one thing they show in the trailer, again, not a spoiler because it's in the trailer, is that it's implied that basically they're trying to evacuate one of the worlds. Mm -hmm. I think evacuate. that's Supergirl, sorry. Mm -hmm. I think it's Supergirl's world because they show that they, in the trailer again, on the, anti the antimatter wave that is coming, it has destroyed Argo. Oh. So, yeah. Once you start saying Ooh. that, yeah, we just killed basically every single remaining member of her family with the exception of her cousin, by the way. Hi. <laughs> her, her cousin, her sister, or her cousin. They, they're alive. They show them yeah. in mm. because they're. they're yeah. and, the and they see the baby. Yes. So. But, but you also you also see Superman killed by Lex Luthor. <laughs> which it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, reported on TV. I got to believe that that's, I mean, and as my story, I'm sticking to it until I see otherwise. I got to believe that's just something they see from another well, world. You, yeah. you saw the end yeah. of Supergirl last week, right? Yes, I did. So okay, you know who's back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, and, oh, Luthor. Actually, I heard that he's an acolyte of uh, the Anti-Monitor. Well, it wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, so. you know, and but the monitor had kind of recruited him. Yeah, you know, so you know, and you remember Luth Alexander Luthor was the, a one of the big heroes part of that story. Yeah. yeah, you know what? What I'm, part of what I'm fascinated with with this is that uh, they actually got Marv Wolfman 
to be a co-writer of this thing. Can you imagine Mark Wolfen being told, want to write this stuff? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Really? That's pretty cool. I know. And you know, it's funny because I should have, I should have asked him about that because, you know, I ran into him at the um, Ringo Awards. Yeah. He was sitting at this yeah. table yeah, right I over near us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but I was excited because he had that Nightwing jacket on. And that was what I asked him about. I was like, oh, wow, where'd you get that Nightwing jacket? My kid would love this. Oh Not gosh. even thinking about anything else, you know. Sure. So, you know, sure. you know our, our children permeate our minds. Of what course. can I say? Yeah. <laughs> you know? but, um, but, I mean, we're, we're seeing some great stuff coming up. And we're seeing... Batwoman is more integrated into the action this time. She's not just kind of a well. Let's yeah. go. Let's go visit Gotham City, and we'll get you know piece of information A from this character, mm-hmm. and that's all we're going to see. Here, yeah. so. Am well, I the only one who finds that Ruby Rose looks better in the suit without the cow? Isn't that weird? Uh, I, I think you know, she looks great I, I, without I think, the cow. I think, I think she looks good either with or without the wig. Honestly, yeah. No, yeah. I, personally, I like her in the suit. But, you know, out of the suit, that's fine, too. I mean, you know, the whole, sure. I mean, she, she really, I think she, she does an excellent job yeah. with the Kathy Kane character. I really do. It's and, hers uh, now. Good for yeah, her. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. and I, I, now I'm not crazy. I got to admit, I'm not crazy about some of the stuff they're doing on that show. I think, I think it's, they, they kind of need to wrap up this whole thing with Alice. You know, but they're going to ride this thing to the end of the season. And yeah. regrettably, unlike the comic book, because the comic book didn't do the big reveal about Alice, Alice's identity. Until the end. Until, exactly. Yeah. And I felt like they could have really benefited from that because I have gotten so tired of this, oh, she's my sister and I'm trying to save her. And it, you, she's a homicidal maniac. Now, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you keep waltzing into her headquarters and waltzing out and talking to her. I know you're still in there, Beth. You know, and in the meantime, you know, there's like a body count that continues to rise <laughs> in Gotham City. And I'm like, dag, you know, yeah. it's like you could have brought her in six shows ago. Yeah. And, and and I mean, in the comics, I might be I might be wrong, but it, it doesn't feel as though Alice was pulling her punches when it came to Batwoman. No, no it, it wasn't. Didn't. No, in, in, <laughs> no. In, in the in the no. show, it's very clear that yes, yeah. she is doing her part to try and protect Kate. Yeah. Even though she wants to. No, tear in down the comic book, she know was. Who they, I mean, I don't believe yeah. that Alice knew who Batwoman was either. In yeah. the comic you know? book, basically, yeah. she was completely deranged. I remember that yeah. very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, she. The Joker would be like. Dang. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> oh, we, we talk. We talk Harley Quinn too, but uh, uh, you know. I haven't actually seen any. Of I that. haven't seen it yet either. Oh, I've got, well, I've, got, uh, I've got DC Universe, but I haven't watched it. Yeah, yet, so. I. You know, I it's look, got some good reviews. I've been trying to get mm. caught up on Titans, and look, don't even start because I was watching some Titans last night. And I have, in fact, I, before I left today, I was talking to, to my son about this because he's seen all of them. I got two episodes left in season two, and I'm just so disappointed in the writing of that show. I mean, I really? like the show, yeah, uh-huh. but there's just so much stuff that just makes no sense. These dangling plot lines, mm. I mean, you know, these uh, story. I mean, basically subplots that make no sense that they start with and then they just leave. I mean, this show is a mess. It's a good-looking mess, you know, but in some cases, horribly miscast characters. I mean, it's just... Oh, I just wonder is, now but, that mm. they're going to be under the direct supervision. It's different now because now that they're being overseen by HBO Max and all these different streaming shows are going to get, especially after what's happened with Watchmen, that has mm-hmm. been super oh, well graded well, show. Yeah, I mean, I was getting ready to say, the, yeah, the, the ratings on Watchmen. They keep going are, up yeah. after every night because yeah. they're saying it's one of word the of first mouth. word mm-hmm. of mouth hits. It's yeah. like people are saying, watch this or you'll be sorry you missed it. Yeah. And I think that shows like Titans are going to get a more... But you know who actually has a potential being a great show mm, uh, because of this? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Doom Patrol. The oh. Doom Patrol has a possibility of being the next big hit for HBO Max because they have the potential. Doom Patrol has been a really, really good show. I yeah. really, I liked it a lot, and I think they really threw in the kitchen sink as yes. far as like almost all the Morrison stuff got represented in there somewhere. Mm. And, and you're like, yeah. oh my gosh, this is really a triptych through Grant Morrison's greatest hits. And the thing is, if they give it a better budget and HBO Max give it a bit more love, I think the next season could be huge. I think it'll do. I think it'll do fine. Yeah. Um, so I think that I think that that's going to do well. I think that. Um, you know, 
I think they've got an awful lot of stuff ahead of them that they could do really, really well. And they could, there's a lot of shows they could launch if the time, if they feel the time's right. There's a lot of stuff they could launch, like you know, I'd launch at this point Creeper and yeah. Question and Hawk Question and Dove. would work so well. Question would be brilliant, and, oh they, my and, God, they could, yeah. and they could do that on a lower budget than they would need for like a Batman or Superman or whatever. Yeah, but the problem is basically after Watchmen, you have to have major cojones. To basically well, f- do a, a, a North comic book show because Watchmen has shown Watchmen raised what the bar. you can. Oh my God, has it ever? It, it shows basically <laughs> what you can do. We should probably roll into that conversation now since we're kind of sneaking up on it. Well, I, I was going to say, you know, <laughs> since you guys I- insist on going there, you know, then then that's that's kind of what we need to look at doing because I wanted to take a deep dive into Watchmen anyway because I love this show so much. And but watch I'm just Crisis. Gonna, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, uh, you know, Crisis starts before Watchmen, actually. So, <laughs> and set your DVR because I want to say that uh, Supergirl and Watchmen are on at like the same time, I'm oh. pretty sure. So I can tell you what I'm going to be watching. <laughs> but, uh, again, fortunately, that's because I have DVR. Anyway, look, Fantastic Forum comes to you uh, by Community Radio, W-E-R-A-L-P, 96.7 FM. And as such, we need your help because this show don't, uh, well, not even, not just this show, this station doesn't run on its own. And uh, we absolutely need your support community media radio means you can be a part of it but it also means that you need to be a part of it so um visit the website at wera.fm make your tax deductible gift in support of community media today so um, i'm going to step aside while we acknowledge the invaluable contribution of some of our underwriters and i'm also going to take the opportunity to promote some of the other WERA shows coming up later tonight here on 96.7 FM. But stick around because there's a lot more fantastic forum to come. We're talking about Watchmen. Warning, there will be spoilers. Stay tuned. And welcome back to the Fantastic Forum here on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming online at WERA.FM. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined in studio today by Roberto Ortiz and Drew Bittner. And we are talking about a whole bunch of things. Uh, We spent uh, quite a bit of time uh, reflecting on the life and the career of... D.C. Fontana, who passed away this past week at the age of 80. Uh, We also talked a little bit about the CW's Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, which starts tomorrow evening. And, uh, in fact, we are hurriedly checking the television schedule because uh, I had uh, alleged that Crisis is actually going up against HBO, and Roberto said, "No, DC isn't competing with itself." But it seems like maybe it is. So that's you know, odd. Oh man. Yeah. Well, it really is. I would have hoped that uh, they knew better than that. But what are you going to do? Anyway, so look, um, Watchmen. We were starting to talk about that, and in fact, uh, Roberto, you had uh, talked about how the diversity yes with this show yes and diversity helps in terms of point of view yes oh oh Drew? yes what you got there it is at eight o'clock eight o'clock tomorrow okay wait wait so yes. supergirl is at eight o'clock yes batwoman according to, according to this yes okay batwoman is not on on set on sunday tonight sorry sunday this week it's on on Monday. I think so, yeah. Okay. So they're right. not competing against themselves. Yes, right. right. That, that, <laughs> yeah. that, you know, so, I was so going to say, so. that would, ooh, you hope yeah. that they're not because so, anyway. you want it to make sense. I'm pretty sure some executive mm. said, you realize what you're doing, right? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and, and sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't want to derail where we're going with, with Watchmen. No, no, no. So that's no, a, no, that's no, important no. stuff. <laughs> um, yes, diversity mm. is important, and here's why. Because... It provides a point, different point of view. 
I provide opportunities for storytelling that you wouldn't know that were there. Yeah. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, two of the biggest animated movies this year. Uh, Frozen 2, believe mm -hmm. it or not, and Klaus. Oh, yeah. You provide a different point of view. If you talk to people from different cultures and say, you know what, I just saw your movies, fantastic, but you realize there's aspects of the Norwegian culture you're not talking about. Like what? Well, we have natives. You do? Yeah. Maybe you should show their story too. And all of a sudden you have a story that is more compelling because you're presenting another point of view. The same thing with Klaus, which basically show, uh, decided to make Santa's elves, spoiler, to be uh, uh, native people from the north. No, really? Yes, they did. Santa's elves are Eskimos? Yeah. Oh, my God. But you know, that makes so much sense. But mm. that's it's basically, yeah, but it's based on some traditions specifically from uh, Europe. Hmm. And But the cool thing is, well, is that once you bring people from other backgrounds or cultures, it opens the storytelling possibilities. Mm -hmm. And what they did in Watchmen is that by making a diverse writing room, by putting a lot of people who are brown behind the cameras on the writing room and the director's chair and all that, you present a different point of view yeah. that is super compelling. Well, I think, I think this goes back to that... You know, Damon Lindelof and yeah. the team decided that they were not going to recreate Watchmen. Yep. They were going to take the story and say, okay, 30-some years on, here's where the world is, and we're going to show you an aspect of it by digging into its history, digging into real history, yep. and putting the, the fantastical elements around it that, that basically tell you that, yeah, here's something that really happened and we're going to shove it in your face the first episode <laughs> yeah and it will make mm. such a, it will it will it will form the basis of what you see in this show and you know what Lyndon said that it goes back to sort of you know love of two things Watchmen mm -hmm. and Superman mm -hmm. because he said specifically that he loved reading Watchmen and basically being told the story within this universe and not knowing what's going to happen. And he mm. loved the fact that it was like a rabbit hole you went into mm -hmm. and you didn't know what's going to happen next and how deep the rabbit hole was. And also, he loves the myth of Superman. The show, which this is one thing I adore about the show. The show, for all its edginess, is not cynical at no. all. No. Be, mm. Think about it for one second. Mm. The character of Superman, when he's presented on the show, is he presented as a cynic in a cynical way? No. He inspired the first superhero in universe who the justice to become a superhero himself. Mm -hmm. The guy told him point blank, you hear something hopeful. Well, okay. Let me just let me just say because the Superman reference is very subtle. Uh, what oh, they there's do a is lot of they, Superman references yeah, in the joke. But I mean, well, and on they're all very subtle <laughs> because <laughs> you know, I, I didn't even think about it. I mean, and even as I'm watching, I'm like, oh, wow, there's kids reading Action Comics number one. And uh, even in Vietnam, they're reading Action whatever, you know. Yeah. But um, I, I still, I didn't internalize that until you had mentioned Linda it. Lindenoff so, said mm. that one of the things that struck him specifically is the whole myth of Superman being the last survivor of Krypton. He said that mm -hmm. the writing of the show, I've been listening to well, his podcast. more or less. No, no, no. no but he said <laughs> yeah. that yeah. this was inspired because he was watching Black Panther and he thought to himself, if there was an actual Wakanda on planet Earth, I have no doubt in my mind that white colonialists would wipe it off the map. And he said, what if I actually take that idea and combine it with the story Superman and who the justice if you actually see it from a certain point of view and that hit me on the first episode it's like oh my god they're telling the story of Superman yeah it's like the destruction of Krypton where you basically have this mm. amazing black mm. community wow. and it was yeah. imploding I, and they were he was wow. the last the survivor yes yeah. it is the story of Superman that is very yeah. interesting and who the justice yeah. realized oh my god I'm like Superman and, yeah. Cole, yeah. and this, that's mm -hmm. what's amazing on the show. Hmm. It's like they are not cynical at all. Well, they, they cause, no, they're not. Yes, I they're, mean, they're not. I would say they're not cynical, but they're certainly a dark. Yes, it's dark. Like yeah. A but dark overtone to all but, these things because but, yeah. it's so I mean, serious. I mean, a certain pessimism. Yeah, well, not actually, exactly cynicism. No, no. Let me put but, it this way. Mm, the character mm. of Looking Glass, for example, Mirror guy. No, but you know, actually, I've read a fantastic analysis about him, and they're saying that he is a mirror image of Rorschach. 
he is the same premier of Russia he used to have problems with with women this guy has been divorced uh this guy well, this, this guy had a lot of reason yes. to have problems with women yes but the thing is mm. that Rorschach <laughs> used to hate women remember yeah. he used to say yeah. horrible things about women he blamed himself this guy is specifically is wants to make the world he's not nihilistic he wants to make the world a better place yeah. for real mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it's like beat by beat by beat he's a mirror image mm. Rorschach and and interestingly enough I mean you know, Looking Glass wants to know what's going on inside people's heads. Yes. That's his job. He's a profiler, really. And Rorschach is not. He doesn't care what people are thinking. He's just interested yeah, in... Yeah, what you do. Yeah. 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 Well, the other thing, um, there was a certain sense of loyalty that, uh, I mean, it, it was in some cases misguided, but, um, you know, but I, because I, 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 I keep thinking about how um, Looking Glass basically betrayed sister Knight. I don't think he you did. know he well he knew that there was a listening device in well, the I cactus think, on his yeah. desk and yeah. now of course he had been put in a situation by Senator Keene and it was like oh I mean it was in a, an untenable situation actually I think he so, realized mm. that basically the game was up that the seven cavalry basically was going to make a move mm. and he basically this is a guy who basically thinks strategically and I really think that they are underestimating the hell out of him. And I really think that he put Angela in the only place he could think of where she would be safe. Were you surprised mm. to see what happened in the bunker? No, of course not. I expected that. Yeah. I expected that man yeah. to have Claymore Miles oh, yeah. in his house, <laughs> expecting the, the 7K and, to come and one, forward. And one thing that nobody, I mean, well, I, I picked up on right away, and I'm sure yes. you did too, the fact that there were five guys in the basement and four masks. He actually hmm. is now pretending hmm. to be so one. He's, he's hmm. the only person right now that Angela Avar has. Right. Once that hmm. everything goes hell to hell. He's an inside guy because he yes. knows where they're operating out of. And he knows what's going on in their story. But he's he's covered with a Rorschach mask now. So they don't necessarily know it's him. Hmm. Hmm. So. Oh, by the way, when I have your mind blown. <laughs> uh, Again, yeah. You know what? Mind blown. You know what? what um, people, if you're doing this, go now and Google... A bar. <laughs> oh, I saw you had put something up about. You know that. what that What's, is? Uh, no, it's what, a what movie from the seventies called The Black Superman A Bar. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> I have heard of that. Yeah. I have heard. I hadn't thought about that. And also, yeah. but but also also his name Cal Abar, yes. Excalibur, uh, ha, ha, ha. or Cal as well, in Cal, Cal L. L. Yeah, yes. that was the first thing I thought of. Yeah. But I tell you what, though, that that revelation in terms of <laughs> the hooded justice's identity, yeah. that I mean, was amazing. That, that blew my mind, and then especially because it, it one of the things that Lindelof has done so beautifully is to integrate his story into the Watchmen universe. Yeah. I mean, and it makes and sense. That's yeah, the amazing well, part. That's yeah. my point. I mean, you know, I, I, I was looking, I, I read that story. I mean, and, and all right, here, here's what you got to appreciate about Watchmen. So 1985, this is a 12-issue limited series. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, hey, we were around. We, we read this thing yeah. in 12 issues. A lot of people out there, they get it as a trade. You know, they're reading yeah. it all the same. Now, our, our dear friend Shireen has said that she thinks that it's better to read it like the trade. I don't believe so. I'm like, no. I think it wasn't, uh, you had it wasn't a leg up. Way. No, it was yeah, designed for yeah, that. You have a leg up when you got to wait 30 days between every And you're still talking issue. about this. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, yeah. look what just happened. Yeah, and you're looking at the back, and the blood is creeping down there, and the clock is ticking closer to midnight. I mean, it's 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 just a different type of experience. Now, here's the thing, though. At the conclusion of that, I was so hyped for the next installment. I mean, I thought yeah. that more had foreshadowed some stuff, and I was just really excited. And then, of course, never happened. And even then, when they when DC did revisit it, they did it as a prequel. So this is just unprecedented to yeah. me and you're right all the stuff makes sense I in know. terms of you know where how the the nation became more liberal as opposed to this, I, I this how the resentment would be specifically about certain yeah. segments i love the line that Sebner king said when he was talking to uh, uh silk specter saying mm -hmm. i'm not racist but you have to understand it has been very hard for white america <laughs> and the more he was yeah. like oh <laughs> 
Shut up! <laughs> but you know, and just speaking of Lori, I mean, the changes with her. Oh my the God! Fact what a that wonderful she took character. Her father's name. Yeah. And she became the new more, comedian. Yeah, uh, yeah, the comedian. You yes. know, I mean, it's just why. And, well, and mm -hmm. I was, and I was saying that her her character arc has been this slow realization on her part that she's fallen into the same trap that Doctor Manhattan and the comedian both fell into, which was disconnecting from humanity. Yeah. yeah. That they mm -hmm. were so apart from that they just didn't care anymore. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. and you see that the first time she shows up and she shoots that guy in the back and says, how do you know the, the armor would stop the bullet? And she, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> she, she doesn't say it, does it but she doesn't care. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I love that basically Sister Knight is the only character that seems to be ahead of everybody and specifically that people keep underestimating how much she gets. For example, the revelation that she has known where Dr. Manhattan has been all the time oh, yeah. and no even uh, through uh miss true she even didn't know she knew that's how good sister knight was specifically in terms of keeping mm -hmm. it to herself yeah and yeah. It, she's an amazing i love one scene when true is she's she's a heck of a character too and and oh yes and, and look and and we were talking about this online on facebook but look at the look at her the spelling of her name and reverse it and you get very close to vite so yeah I, oh, I think wow. i think she is cool. i think she's ozymandias daughter I think he was actually. I think she's a comedian's daughter who was raised by Bite. That would be my guess. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, and and uh, Roberto had floated that to me, and um, you know, it's it's quite possible. I mean, because we know that uh, Blake was involved with Vietnamese mm -hmm. women. Yeah. I mean, you know, saw him murder a pregnant one. You yes. know, with the pregnant with his baby. So it's possible there could be some other. Oh my yeah. God! You kids don't out me. There, Remember you know? that she's obsessed specifically with reviving her mother. And that's why she has a clone on her mother and yeah, she's feeding yeah. her mem memories. Right. Mm -hmm. Why is it specifically that's based on a traumatic experience that she hmm. suffered specifically about hmm. losing her mom early at the hands of the comedian? Hmm, possible. Yeah, the only thing is, um, I don't think there's any chance that that baby survived. You know, the, no, the baby be being carried by the, Yeah, that, that, that's why I'm saying, <laughs> you know, so. and and But that's very possible. And, yeah. and maybe even likely, again, based on what we know about this guy's history. But, um, yeah, but, but it, it all makes sense. The other thing I wanted to mention in terms of something that made a lot of sense to me was what happened with Rorschach's journal. Because yes. I, I was... At the at, again at so the conclusion of oh Watchmen, God. he mails this thing off, and you see it's on the crank file with New Frontiersman, mm -hmm. and you're like, "Oh my God, this thing is going to be published. It's going to be a bombshell." No. But no, because it's New Frontiersman. Yeah, you know this fringe publication it's like to where like yeah, Google World News. Yeah, but, yeah, but, and but, some people are like, "Ah, that's crap." But the amazing you know. thing is basically it's how Lindenoff basically bow ties that with the current political reality. It's such a, it's what's the nature of the truth? What, who would believe specifically the truth right mm -hmm. now? And he ties that up so well. Yeah. And actually, uh, Looking Glass said that point blank, that what is the truth now? Yeah. And mm. I- What's I, true? What's mm. true. And, mm. and that's the cool thing about it, how he's tying up all these things. And you know what I also am loving? The fact I'm that sorry. they're not trying to redeem the Seventh Calvary at all. They're like, yeah, they're a bunch of racist. No, oh, seriously, yeah. they are. They're, they're, oh, yeah. they're scum. Yeah. Well, they're, there's they're... no redemption for that. I mean, you know what? This isn't, um, oh, what's that? The, uh, birth of a nation. Yes. You know? like, no, yeah, <laughs> Where, yeah. like, the, the, the Ku Klux Klan are the heroes of the story. Although the interesting thing to me is, depending on what the association of their name means, the Seventh Cavalry was the group that Custer, Custer was exactly. absolutely obliterated at Little Bighorn. Yes. Mm -hmm. So are they naming themselves after a failed no, military they are. expedition? It's based on, it's based on the cost. Yes, it, when, I call when, it when, it's based when, on them. Yeah, when Ozymandias named himself after an epic, oh, a poem yeah. of epic hubris that yeah. failed. Mm -hmm. So, hmm. you know, hmm. this, this too shall pass. <laughs> wow. But I mm. actually i am loving specifically the fact that the show is having, in a way, the same effect that the graphic novel had. Mm -hmm. And I think he captured specifically the fact, well, make Watchmen Watchmen, which is basically you're making people think. You're changing yeah. the medium you're showing, and you're not spoon-feeding people exposition. You literally are dropping people in a world and say, good luck, catch up, 
It's not my problem if you don't get it. And by the way, I'm going to educate the heck out of you by showing you parts of American history. You bet you the and, know. And they give mm -hmm. you and they give you bits and pieces of the puzzle on Pedipedia and a lot of supplemental material. Yes. If you want to yeah. follow up, you yeah, can and, find yeah. In it. fact, there's but, a whole site yeah. where they, I mean, which is just so beautiful. Hey. Because um, we're almost out of time, but I want to ask you guys, because this is the other thing about this show that's killing me right now. Uh, what in the heck is going on with Ozymandias? I mean, I, 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 clearly he's like on Mars or on the moon or something. He's been imprisoned. I'm like, I who in the heck imprisoned this guy? What's going on with that? What's his connection to Lady True? She's got a statue of him. I mean, there are only two episodes left of this thing. There's this a theory like, going around he might actually might be inside the statue. That's what that's what mm. is. I, I think he's I think mm. he's actually on an uh, on a distant whether it's Mars or Titan. actually that's Jupiter. He, he just confirmed it. Jupiter. It okay. was Europa. Okay. So oh, so, really? so if he's on if mm. he's on Europa, then he's on Europa, and you know he he is obviously looking to n signal to someone that he's there. So mm. actually, Lennon said that he wanted to recreate the story of the Black Freighter with him, but I think what they're doing is that they're doing the Black Freighter story in reverse. Because hmm. the story of the Black Freighter is a man who basically has, goes out with the good intentions and loses his humanity. Mm -hmm. yeah. This story is backwards. Where Osmides specific, Osmides, I cannot say his name. Osmides. Osmides. Uh, he, I can't say it He either. basically <laughs> is confronted with the fact that he's a good a person who had good intentions and has done atrocities. That he, 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 had, he had an immediate goal that he was acting to accomplish, and he used horrifyingly yes. evil means to do it. And the cool thing, it, I think that courtroom scene is very important for the show because it shows him fi feeling finally regret in terms of something he did. Maybe. Remember he mm -hmm. actually was crying Maybe. at the end? It's like, yeah. he probably was getting to him finally. I yeah, don't horrible but he, things. Yeah, but he just rested his case. You know, he didn't put on any. I didn't no. plead. It was just like no, you know, because because he's expecting rescue. Yes, I agree with him. Uh, you know, I mean, but who in the heck is going to rescue this guy? It's not going to be Doctor Manhattan. <laughs> no, certainly not. Hey, real quick, I want to throw something in about these these ratings because um, you know, while Watchmen isn't Game of Thrones, um, apparently. Uh, the last episode on Sunday night, uh, an almost religious awe, drew uh, 779,000 viewers in Nielsen's uh, live same-day ratings. Now, the show's highest number since the premiere uh, were 799,000 viewers. Across HBO platforms on Sunday, that number increased to 1.2 million viewers. And, of course, HBO uh, being the high-end brand that is at the center of these streaming wars, uh, that's expected to only increase. And, uh, it, Roberto, you had mentioned that uh, the HBO Max is yep. uh, becoming a key feeder uh, to HBO. Yes. And, uh, you know, when that launches in May. And uh, HBO's ratings have always been difficult to quantify because of the so many channels. But since the launch of HBO Go... In 2015, the network also reports its digital numbers, which streaming services don't. So, mm. um, you know, but it's uh, it, it's interesting here. The uh, they're saying that, uh, according to HBO, the Sunday night premiere uh, ratings for Watchmen account for only a little more than 10 percent wow. of the show's audience, and the viewership for the series' first episodes stands at 9.6 million total viewers. Wow! And as word of mouth builds uh, before the season finale on December 15th. Uh, they expect that uh, word of mouth is only going to increase that number. Good. So mm. I mean, yeah, but it's. It, I mean, we're still we're talking about huge numbers. You know, it's a good show. If you haven't watched it, do yourself a favor, look it up. It's really it good. Is, it is mm -hmm. a very good show, uh, and I I look forward to them completing this season strong. I I hope they have a season two. I expect they will with numbers like this. Hey, look, that's all the time we have for this episode of Fantastic Forum. Uh, be sure to check us out online at fantasticforum.tv. You can also, if you uh, want to listen to this episode again, we're on on Thursday afternoons here on WERA at 3 p.m. Be sure to come back next week. Same bat time, same bat station.